0: Hello everyone, just wanted to at first lead off by saying sorry if the audio quality is a bit different than usual, we are recording in a different situation because of the holidays, so thanks for bearing with us and thanks for listening. Hello everyone and thank you for joining the Father-Son Packers Podcast, your brand new source for Packers news, notes, and analysis. We are here to break down the Packers-Dolphins pregame on Christmas and I am here as always joined by my co-host, my dad Matt. Dad, how are you doing?
1: Good, we're here recording just two days before Christmas, so two days before the game. Looking forward to, well, we already had one Christmas party and uh, lots of food, and hopefully all good times. And hopefully
0: another Christmas party after the Packers get a win. Or
1: we'll just be opening our
0: stockings without
1: glee. (laughs) Yeah, maybe it'll vary how much people put, uh, you know, rum in their eggnog or or not. (laughs) Maybe it'll be no eggnog maybe it'll just be a big glass of rum.
0: But anyways, we are here to break down this game against the Dolphins. It's going to be a tough matchup, I think. Another must-win game for the Packers. But before we jump into that, some Packers news, Dad. Today, Elton Jenkins extended four years, $68 million, possibly part of the reason that they had restructured Lowry the week before. But really exciting stuff for the Packers to retain one of their star
1: players. Yeah, this is actually kind of what I was expecting. As soon as I heard about the Lowry restructure, I said, okay, they're freeing up a little a little bit of money. Doesn't seem like there's anybody out there that they would sign for this year. So I figured it was some cap machinations to be able to extend one of their um, star players whose contract is coming up.
0: Yeah, and just good to keep the line together. Obviously, you also think about, hmm, what are they going to do with Bakhtiari going forward? Does this mean anything for his status with the team? But first and foremost, just, Happy for Elton. He's been a really awesome part of this team. He's got great versatility. Uh, Lafleur said that while he's played guard this year, they don't think that they they still think he could be a tackle in the future if they need him to be. He's played all over the line. He's played at a Pro Bowl level all over the line. He came up came back fast from a catastrophic injury last year, and he's really looked like himself these past few games. So you know, good for him. And the fact that they didn't have to reset the guard market is the second highest, uh, second biggest contract in the league for a guard. It's very exciting as well.
1: Yeah, one thing I was thinking because his contract seems to be at the t- near the top of the market for for a guard. I think that may mean that they have two other players on the roster who will be playing tackle because they're not paying them like a tackle.
0: Well, it did say that while he's getting that four-year 68, I think Rappaport reported that it could go as high as 74. So it makes you think, well, maybe there's some contract things in there where if he plays enough snaps at tackle, his pay gets bumped up. But obviously, this is all speculation. But that's right. just kind of what
1: that looked like to me, at least. That's true. I haven't read anything yet on what is the difference between that 68 and 74. Exactly. But, you know, good for
0: him. Good for the Packers. Find a way to bring him back. Obviously, going to be some interesting uh, breakdowns of – how those cap numbers are structured year to year. And we'll be tweeting that from our Twitter. So quick time to pitch that. Come follow us on at FatherSonPacker. We tweet stuff about these new contract negotiations, contract details, articles we find interesting, injury notes Notes about uh, news for the game coming up for what's going around uh, the league Packers related. So come give us a follow; we'd really appreciate it. And we think it's some much uh, much needed news and much needed information for the off se- as the off season comes up as well. And if you really like us, come subscribe to us on YouTube, Father Son Packers Podcast. It would really help our numbers. We post all of our episodes there as well as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, and anywhere you can find podcasts. But Dad, let's get down to this game. Starting off with the injury report for the Packers. Pretty clean bill of health. Only Bakhtiari is doubtful for this game because of that appendix operation he had. Probably won't play this week, but uh, sounds like he may actually play again
1: this year based on the interview he had this week. Right. Just I think that was two days ago, maybe when they, I guess it was LaFleur who said something about he was getting closer to playing or he, you know, the fact that they're even considering playing this week meant that he was further along already than I was expecting and that he's getting close to playing again. And I just wanted to comment on the line. It's like I feel like the offensive line has really been kind of coming together and playing well at the end of the year. They've got their preferred starters, and they're getting healthier, and this would be an excellent group to keep together for next year. Yes, I think so too. Having Tom as possibly
0: the swing tackle in there, Mm -hmm. Nyman at right tackle. I know he struggled last game, but it seems like he's at least – above average to good in that zone i think it's a really good spot for them to be in the dolphins on the other hand are very dinged up right now just reading off the list right now teron armstead their starting left tackle is questionable with toe pec and knee injuries he was yeah oh man he was limited friday after being a dnp wednesday and thursday so it does sound like he's trending up and it does sound like he probably will play but keep in mind he has been very injured this year but power to him for powering through it Bradley Chubb, the edge that they traded for midseason star edge, is questionable after being a limited participant on Thursday and Friday with a knee injury. Do think he'll play, though. River Craycraft, one of their wide receivers, is doubtful. Probably won't play. He didn't practice at all this week with a calf injury. Eric Fisher, one of their backup tackles, doubtful, uh, limited, and then didn't practice Thursday or Friday for, with a calf injury. Miles Gaskin, one of their running backs, questionable uh practiced Wednesday and Thursday but then did not practice on Friday because of an illness so that is actually something to keep an eye on for them is whether or not that illness spreads at all this weekend so keep an eye on those Rappaport tweets Jalen Phillips uh their young star edge rusher also questionable he was limited all week with a toe injury Limited makes you think he'll probably play. Eric Rowe, one of their starting safeties, questionable, limited all week with a hamstring injury. And then Jeff Wilson, one of their top two running backs, questionable after being limited all week with a hip injury, he did not play last week either. Dad, anything stand out to you there?
1: Well, I think if if uh Chubb and Phillips, or even just one of them, can't play, it'll be huge on their pass defense. I basically say, say the front, maybe the strength of their defense so far have been like was it uh Phillips chubb and wilkins Christian wilkins, wilkins yeah, up front because their secondary has struggled this year and so mm-hmm. if they miss their ability to put pressure on um with their their kind of lack of coverage at the back end it would really weaken their defense which is not that hot to begin with mm-hmm.
0: yeah and we'll get into that i think for me the one that stands out the most is the tackle health i assume armstead will mm-hmm. play but if he doesn't i think that that would help the packers a lot because their pass rush has been a little iffy recently, and they could use any help they
1: could get, honestly. Yeah, that's the other biggie. If, if Armstead can't go, um, he's their best offensive. He's their best offensive lineman. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, that kind of wraps up the
0: injury report. Packers looking a little better than the Dolphins. Let's move on to our game preview, starting with our blasts
1: from the past, Dad. When was the last time these teams played? So it was November 2018, and the Packers won 31-12 in Lambeau. This was so long ago that Brock. The Os- the Brock Brock Lobster I was going to say <laughs> Brock Osweiler QB for the Dolphins threw one INT got sacked six times and coughed up a fumble. Aaron Jones had a big game with rushing for 145 yards, two TDs, and 27 receiving yards. And Adams had uh, two receiving TDs and 57 yards receiving. Fun, f- uh, a fun note about this game: Mike McDaniel and Lafleur are good friends uh LaFleur yeah Mike McDaniel and LaFleur about this upcoming game this is um
0: they're very good friends Mike McDaniel has said that Matt LaFleur is one of the most trustworthy people he's ever met he uh, uh he said that Matt LaFleur actually got him a second chance in the NFL after Mike McDaniel kind of struggled at first and he also said that uh LaFleur's best quality is uh his hair that is his best quality as a coach, is his is uh the best work he puts as into as his coach. hair. And he said the second best would be uh his teeth routine. He has very no, white teeth. I, I, no I, nothing about the eyebrows? They, he didn't mention the he, eyebrows. I thought
1: the eyebrows were gonna finish a little, yes. uh, little was, top two. So it was the, very yes. Those were those were his two highlights for Meg McDaniel. But yeah, those So there's like love passive fun. I missed that because I saw the uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers and uh, Tua throwing compliments back at each other this week as well. Mm-hmm uh but yeah so that's kind of the blast from the past
0: in this game these teams uh coaching staffs have a history they kind of know each other mike mcdaniel and lafleur are good friends they coached together in washington they coached together all along the sh- they coached together with the texans when shanahan was there they coached together all along shanahan's uh many rides and you know mike mcdaniel first time head coach has really has really uh, succeeded a lot in his first year and that kind of takes us over to dolphins world so what's going on for them over in Dolphins' world, so they have had a bit of an up and down season. They're eight and six in this year with a uh, first year head coach. I think they've done a lot better than people would expect, and
1: Mike McDaniel is often in the conversation for coach of the year. Yeah, I mean they've they've been running an exciting brand of football. I think a lot of people are it's like, oh, the Dolphins are up. It's gonna be there's gonna be fireworks. Yeah, it's a Les, fun to watch. But they have, as you said, been up and down. They they they're on a three game losing streak right now, and but they're still in playoff uh, position. At the, as the seventh seed, and so they're fighting for their lives right now. So mm-hmm. desperate for a win, and and it's been 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 kind of streaky. So, bef- they started the year off with three straight wins. Then they had three straight losses around the Tua injury. Then five straight wins, and now three straight losses, and hopefully five straight losses. Hopefully, we follow that little pattern. <laughs> just, right, we just keep it going, keep that that uh, losing streak going.
0: Yeah. So. They've definitely been better than I think a lot of teams or a lot of people would have pegged them being going into the year. Tua has definitely been better this year. I think that addition of Tyreek Hill over the offseason to pair with Jalen Waddell and give them some insane speed at the skill positions, which we'll talk about briefly, has been great for them. I mean, just one of the most intricate off like not intricate, one of the most fun to watch offenses, explosive offenses, like hard to stop. They've struggled a bit recently, but don't (laughs) Don't sell them short. They're a cornered animal now, and they're going to be dangerous coming into this game. But let's get into our general thoughts on this game, and let's preface it all with the fact that the Dolphins are favored by four, according to ESPN. A bit low, but surprising right. to me, especially
1: I mean, considering it's in Miami, Dad. Right. This would make it like they the the odds makers consider this to be a um one point difference on a neutral field yeah and if the and if it was in lambo the packers would be favored which i it'd be a little which yeah. i think most people would be surprised by practically a pick em, which is is crazy to me yeah but
0: let's get into the meat of our breakdown and start with dad what makes the dolphins a tough matchup you can go ahead and lead us off here i'd spoke about it briefly but i feel like you just have to start with their team speed
1: yeah, and uh, what I have is it, I start with like this sort a of really high powered passing offense this year. Second in passing offense by DVOA. Tua himself is first in yards per attempt, um, sixth in y- passing yards per game, and seventh by PFF rating. By Fantasy Pros, he only trails Jameis Winston, who then only, only played three games, so it doesn't have much volume, in air yards per attempt. Um, But there's a lot more than just air. I mean, this is an offense which is actually combining good air yards with yards after catch. They're Mm -hmm. actually doubling up on that. Hill is second in yards per game in the league, and Waddle is 10th. Hill is first in total yards before the catch and second in yards after the catch um, for the the season per fantasy pros. Um, It's interesting that they're both doing pretty well in the um, average depth of target. Hill and Waddle, uh, Hill's at like 11 and a half and Waddle's at 12 and a half, What's interesting is that they're, um, Lazard and Watson are kind of a similar pair at, you know, over 11 and a half for Lazard and, um, 12.9 for Watson, but the, and, and the, and, uh, Hill has really great good yards after catch with 4.3 yards after catch per reception, while Waddle is up to 6.4 yards after catch per reception. And Lazard and Watson actually are exceeding that. But what's interesting is that Miami is able to keep this much efficiency with a lot of volume. They're really um, throwing the ball a lot.
0: Yeah. And I think that when you're talking about the combination of yards before catch and yards after catch, I think that just big cause of that is because of their team speed. And according to next I mean, we all know when we think about speed, we think Tyreek Hill, we think Jalen waddle and now they got Raheem Mostert this year too. And according to next gen stats, Waddle has the nineteenth fastest ball carrier speed in the league this year and the seventh fastest last year. So that's like their top speed with the ball in their hand. Tyreek Hill has been in the top twenty four of the last five years. And Raheem Mostert has been in the top twenty two of the last three years, including Two, the top two speeds in 2020, numbers one and two. And it's not just the speed, I mean, it's The scheme to get these receivers and players with this incredible speed into a position to succeed, I mean, this is a lot on Mike McDaniel, the way that they've been able to succeed. And per NFL.com, the Dolphins have the second most plays of 20 plus yards and the most plays of 40 plus yards. I mean, that offense, like any way you look at it's just so explosive by any metric you look at it. Quantitative, qualitative, just watching the game. I mean... You can tell. It's dangerous at any moment.
1: Right. You you could imagine the the cliche of being able to score from anywhere in the field.
0: And you can look at it. it, I mean, one perfect example that just comes to mind is that Ravens game. They were down like 17 or 20 points in the fourth quarter against the Ravens. And then just boom, boom, boom. Big play to Tyreek Hill. Big play to Tyreek Hill. Big play to Waddle. I can't remember exactly the plays, but there were definitely two to Hill in there. And just all of a sudden, game turned on its head in an instant because they can just score at any second. It's really reminiscent of how the Chiefs over the years with Tyreek Hill could just score in 20 seconds or less at any time. It was just like you were never, ever safe. And so that's something that I think going into this game, if the Packers somehow have a lead, I will be white-knuckling through (laughs) it because they can score at any moment. Dad, did you have
1: anything else that makes the Dolphins a tough matchup? So one thing that I found was kind of interesting is that Tua gets sacked very little in a game only one and a half times per game. but it's in some ways it's, it's mostly because of the how quickly he's getting rid of the ball an average of like 2.3 seconds per per play per fantasy, fantasy I think it's for fantasy pros. So the O line is okay. it's ranked 14th in pass blocking, but only 23rd in uh, for the the run block not' as, not as good in run blocking. So they're combining they're actually getting the, rid of the ball quickly. Mm-hmm. still getting it downfield and then piling up the yak after the catch. I mean, there's just it's so much speed. It's
0: so much speed. Oh my goodness. They're, they're, they're so freaking fast. <laughs> but anyway, that's, I feel like that, those are the big things that make this team difficult are with their offense And I think that kind of ties into this next part is specifically, how do we think they will try to exploit the Packers? And for me, I think it's that those skills with speed and yak really play into the weaknesses of the Packers defense and that their yards after catch ability matches up well against a below average tackling team. The Packers are just the 17th best tackling team in the NFL. And while that might sound like, oh, well, they're right in the middle, man, they have had some bad bad outings. I think they're only 17th by being very high variance because you look at games against the Vikings, Bills, and Eagles, like you look at their specific tackling grades for those games, just horrid, horrid. It's not that they're consistently right about average. They are all over the place. And against teams with dynamic playmakers, like those three teams, they have shown that they just can't hang tackling. And I'm worried about that in this game.
1: Well, one thing they showed actually from the Vikings is they couldn't figure out who was supposed to be guarding the star receivers. That too. But if you want to look at the uh, glass half full side, despite those terrible games, they are now in the middle of the pack. So they must have been above average in the rest of the games combined. I mean, yeah,
0: they're above average against teams that are no good, is what that (laughs) says. And the other thing is their speed matches up really well against what is now a slow secondary for the Packers. Losing Stokes is going to be felt there a lot. Yeah, I was going
1: to mention that Stokes in particular having the, you know, the fastest guy in the secondary. Yeah, having Savage not play as much, although Ford
0: does come in and also bring some speed. At least he runs around the 4-4 a little bit slower than Savage, but at least something but Amos seems to have lost a major step this year. Rasul ran just a four five nine coming out of college. Uh, Jair Nixon and Ford, like I said, do have some decent speed, but they will find that mismatch with the slow guy. I am worried about Rasul in this game.
1: I, I, I am worried about him and Amos getting just fricassade by the combo yeah, I maybe, maybe not try to have those guys stacked on the same side of the field or however they're going to line up there yeah and i i guarantee the dolphins are
0: circling them and being like good players not fast enough to guard either of our top two guys which is worrying to me yep did you have anything else for how you think the so
1: i i think a, a lot of what it's is, is like they've been seeming to um strategy of we're just gonna get a shootout and try to outscore you yeah. Which I think is gonna is is, is uh and, and the Packers have generally not been sort of a shootout team. They've been kind of a grind it out and score like just enough. Uh, though lately, they been have been better. you know the last what as a four or five games been averaged like twenty six points a game and been closer to the top of the league in points per game as opposed to the first ten weeks of the season where they were um, really
0: poor. It's really tough because I feel like the last two weeks have been some of the better football they played. And I can't tell if it's them rounding into form with the offensive the line Brown's getting healthy or if it's the bears and Rams, or if it's the fact that they're playing the <laughs> bears and then the Rams off of a bye. Like it's, it's hard to tell. I would like to be optimistic and say, Hey, there are definitely some things where I'm watching. I'm like, yes, the offensive line is playing better. Yes. The receiving core looks like it's what they envisioned it being. Yes. Rogers is getting healthier. Yes. Dylan is playing better,
1: but also, it's the Bears and the Rams, and the Rams off of a bye. Yes, but the Rams had a mini bye I suppose. But uh, but they're just bad, so it doesn't yeah, matter. I was gonna say <laughs> they get more time practicing with Baker, which
0: I guess is something at least. But yeah, I think that the this is a really tough game for the
1: Packers. I think that this is their hardest matchup left on the schedule. Oh yes, I think it's by far, unless 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 the Lions turn out to be much better than we expect. Well, they play the Vikings, but, but too. still. The Lions are better than the Vikings. The Dolphins are better than the Vikings. This is true. I was thinking that the Vikings... The Vikings are actually the easiest team left I was thinking on their the Vi- schedule. I, I still think the Vikings three.
0: might be better than the Lions. It's close, though. They're high variance. But the Dolphins, anyway, are definitely the hardest part of their schedule. I would imagine that if they somehow win this game, which, you know, Vegas always knows something. Maybe Vegas knows something. They're only putting this at a four-point four game. Bet, bet... I would say bet the Dolphins to cover, but that's just me. Um... But maybe they know something. Maybe that the Packers will put up a better fight than you think. But it seems like a really tough matchup. However, the Packers are not entirely... They're not hopeless in this game. And so let's touch on that. Yeah, it's not like Miami's a juggernaut. They have some flaws. And they've been struggling recently. So I'm going to talk about that really quickly. Recently, the Dolphins have lost three in a row. And their offense has been getting super gummed up specifically Tua getting flustered by press coverage. According to, just you can listen to a bunch of NFL analysts that talk about this better than I could, Mina Kimes, Stephen Ruiz, but most most notably Ben Solak is the one that I've been hearing the most talk about this, is the Dolphins offense recently, specifically Tua, have really struggled when their receivers have been getting pressed at the line because it's been throwing off his timing, is a really timing-based offense, and Tua is a very rhythm-based thrower. He hasn't really figured out what to do yet he's a young guy still but he hasn't really figured out what to do yet when everything's not how it is pre-snap planned out he's struggled with post-snap reads more of a pre-snap read guy and orig- and the idea is that yes you're gonna get burned a few times pressing these guys because they're so fast they will beat you off the line a few times a game and go for like an 80 yard touchdown But you're getting burned anyway, so you might as well just try and gum up their offense as much as you can by pressing them at the line. And this is what the Niners did first, and they kind of set the blueprint for it. And everyone's like, well, Niners, best best defense in the league, you know, maybe not everyone can do this. Maybe it's just because they're able to cover the middle of the field so well. But then the Chargers did this with half of their defense out, and they were able to mimic it very, very very much similarly to how the Niners had done and had a great amount of success and beat the Dolphins in a game that they had no business winning. Then the Bills did something similar. Bills are a much better team than um, those other teams and credit to them, they won that game as well. I didn't hear as much storyline about the press coverage after that game, but that was also, you know, a weather game. Exactly, yes. But that press coverage really, especially in the Niners and Chargers games, really flummoxed the Dolphins and really gave them a lot of problems. And I'm just praying that Joe Barry will actually do it. I'm, if we
1: go out there and we play zone, we will lose by 40. We can, see, the thing is, it gets the Dolphins with Hillary Waddle. These these timing offenses are intended to get the ball to the player already in motion so that they hit him at a certain position at a certain number of seconds after the snap. Across the field, or running downfield, so they they are already at speed to take off. So if you're 10 yards off and you give him the free catch, he's already at full speed and running by you.
0: Yeah, and the thing is, with this game plan implemented against them the past three weeks that the Niners kind of laid the blueprint for, he's coming off his two worst games of the year per PFF passing grade. He has three straight games below a 60%. This is Tua. He has three straight games below a 60% completion percentage, and he had only had one such game all year before that. I mean, there is a map here that other teams have been like, hey, follow this, and you should have some success. I am begging Barry to do it. I know they were really slow to adapt to pressing at the line. They did it a little bit versus the Jets. It felt like last week they really fell back into a lot of soft zone. If they fall back into soft zone against the Dolphins, I'm telling you now, they're going to get killed. They're going to be these massive crossing routes across the coming across the field. And the fact that they have struggled to rush the passer really scares me because if they can't get to Tua and they don't press, and he has time back there, those guys are going to get open. They yeah. are. They are going to get open. They are too fast- they're too good. The Packers defense is not fast enough. They're going to get open if you play zone and you don't bring extra with the pass rush. So they need, like, those are two things, in my opinion, they
1: need to do if they're trying to be serious about winning this game. So, yeah, I wonder one thing about, like, is Tua just so trained now in his mind to throw the ball really quickly that he's not going to take advantage of extra time? Because the offense is predicated on getting rid of the ball. Quickly. I just, I just don't but think you that can... that is just can, like begging for. I to say, I don't think you can. You know, mana from heaven for something like that to happen. I was going to say, I don't think you can hope that he will. How many, how many days of oil are we getting... How many days are we be able to burn that, burn oil? that oil? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it is the season.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I just don't think you can hope that he's going to not hold the ball. If we're not getting pressure, I mean, we're going to need another big Kenny game. Like yep. we had versus the Rams. We're going to need, I mean, we, we're going to talk about what we need from the Packers soon, but
1: I, I, I do have a few more things yeah, for go how ahead. the Packers will try to exploit the dolphins. So Miami defense is only 26th. Yeah, DV. I haven't written down as well. Their, the pass. their defense is It's mediocre. It's not great. It's, it's average. Yeah. They're, they're 11th against the run bad against the pass. They are even worse at tackling than the Packers. According to PFF grade. They're fourth worst in the league. So we should be looking to get the ball in space on offense against them. The problem is we don't
0: have that many yak threats. We really don't have many tackle breaking guys. Like I feel like it's Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, and maybe Watson.
1: Yeah. So what I have is yeah, So we should be stop. looking for passes in space to Watson, Dillon, Jones, and Dobbs. I think that's what we should be looking and, for. To, and, and that's what I think the Packers should be trying and hopefully will be trying to do to take advantage of the even worse tackling by the Dolphins than the, than the Packers are. The other thing is, Tua is not a running QB. No, he's not. He's he's, he's, he's he's below average by PFF grade, and he only gets 5.8 yards per game. He's in Matt Ryan territory. Yeah, he's not.
0: He's, I would say, the thing on him coming out of college is he has decent mobility in the pocket. He's pretty good at moving around the pocket. He's got decent feet. But he's not that
1: athletic. Yeah, his, his, his he only ran a four seven nine forty. No, he's not. He's not very athletic. And so, what I the, what I want to take home from this is this is a guy you can play man and turn your back on, um, and just and for the for the defensive secondary as opposed to we had a lot of games where maybe we one of the reasons why we weren't playing man is cuz we were afraid of a running quarterback that is not the case this week but here's the thing dad can you turn your back when you
0: have these speedy guys sprinting by you and he is going to underthrow these deep balls and you are going to commit pass interference how many pass interference penalties because the thing the with over-under. Tua the thing with Tua is he doesn't have the strongest arm they've been able to get away with it this year but something I'm a little worried about is that man coverage turning, turning away. He throws up a little lollipop under, under throw, and you just run smack dab into a guy because you're sprinting as hard as you can. Like, to catch happened, up like with, what happened to Amos last week. Exactly. Like you're sprinting. He ran into 2 2 at, at well. You're sprinting as hard as you can to catch up to a guy who's way faster than you, and you can't throw on the brakes fast
1: enough. Yeah, and he does throw. I mean, you watch some of those two passes if you watch the Dolphins, and that ball is like floating up in the air forever. Yes. Yes. It is really just this lob that is like the, the, uh, you know, the old baseball ethos pitch. Yeah, that thing it hangs.
0: He does not have a super strong arm. He succeeds on timing, pre snap reads, and and really decent. He's <laughs> decent accuracy. Un- ungodly speed of his receivers. Ungodly. Yeah, <laughs> decent accuracy. But we've seen like that Niners game, that Chargers game, when he starts to get flustered, when he starts to. Feel that internal clock ticking when the receivers aren't where he thinks they will be when he when he thinks they will be. He starts to miss and his miss. He was missing in that Niners game, at least low, wide, high. Like it's not even he's missing consistently the same way. Like he just starts to fall apart. And so the hope is you shake him early. You get those receivers off their timing early. You get those receivers out of their routes early. You get him off his timing early. You speed him up with some pass rush early and you hope he just crumbles because he's done it in a couple games now and you just if that happens i think it gives the packers a good shot at winning
1: yeah and maybe not be just like crumbling in terms of pressure as it is he's already predetermined when and where he's going to throw the ball Mm -hmm. and if the timing is disrupted it looks like he's got bad aim and what he actually has is a bad plan he's like throwing it to a spot but the receiver can't get there if you can jam effectively yeah and it's
0: it's it's gonna be a tough one because i know he's had a tough three games but there are times this year where that offense is still insane and i feel like recently their run game has been better than it had than it had been before and that's kind of been what they've been trying to employ to improve the strength i mean they run ran very well versus the buffalo bills let me just pull up that um
1: uh, yeah, box score really quick because in general they have not been that good of a running team which is you know in some ways been one of the things that have caused the Packers problems but you say more recently they've been more effective more recently they've been more effective just in that Buffalo Bills game Raheem
0: Mostert had 17 carries for 136 yards so eight A carry and Savannah, oh now There's some PTSD. Yeah, I mean, if you <laughs> if you didn't just start getting flashbacks to 2019, I don't know what to tell you. But yeah, 17 carries for 136 yards versus the Bills. Savan Ahmed in that game had six carries for 43 yards. I mean, they were averaging seven yards a carry for the seven point five yards a carry for the running backs. So recently, they have kind of countered that those issues they've had in the passing game by leaning more heavily on Raheem Moster in the running game. So that is something that we hadn't talked about yet that I did want to mention. I forgot to mention it in our Miami Dolphins segment, but what do you think about that? Like, how, how concerned are you about the run defense in this game?
1: It's kind of an interesting mix because they... I think they started with Raheem Mostert in the year, and then they got Jeff Wilson from the Niners, and then he took over the job. Well, you're, you're, then, you're skipping a and, whole chapter. You're skipping the Chase Edmonds chapter. And, oh, right, because right, before, before be, Chase Edmonds was supposed to rule supposed to be the guy. The they, guy gave him, they, they gave they, him all this money over he, the offseason. He got the bag, and somebody was saying, well, he got the money, so he's going to be the number one guy, and it didn't work out that way. And then they added Jeff Wilson, and he took over the backfield, but then he got hurt, and now Mo- Mostert's been running it, and Jeff Wilson might be back this week. Yeah, he's questionable. Like we said, has had
0: problems with his hip recently. Has limited all was limited all week and didn't play last week. I would not expect him to get his usual complement of snaps, even if he does play. Moster, I mean, it might just be the 2019 NFC Championship game talking to me, but Mike McDaniel was the run game coordinator for that team, and so I am a little worried about having flashbacks to that game and the same thing happening, even if they do somehow manage to slow down Tyreek and Jalen Waddell. The speed is everywhere on this offense. I mean, even their tight ends are fast. I mean, oh, shoot, what is his name? Um, Gasecki. Even Gasecki is an elite athlete at that position. Even um, Sherfield has a 75-yard catch on the season. I mean, they got explosive plays coming out of you-know-where from every single position on the I believe it's field. called a wazoo. Yes. Technical <laughs> term is a wazoo. But that's the thing is they are going to have to play that press man coverage, but they're also going to have to play a little heavier in the box based on what they saw last week from the Dolphins' run game. I mean, it's tough because they only have that one-game sample size. The week before I just checked, Rahim Moser had an average game at best. He had like 11 carries for 40-some yards. So... But there's only a one-game sample size of it. But the Dolphins have shown now that they can run the ball really well. At least There's at least a piece of evidence showing that they can do that. And so it's not just going to be about slowing down Waddle and Hill with that press man, which, like we said, that's going to be something they need to do. That's going to be something that they can take advantage of. The Dolphins' offense had struggled recently with that, their passing offense, that is. But on top of that, they're going to need to have a good game from the front again.
1: Campbell, Quay, and Kenny are going to have to hold down the fourth there. Yeah, I'll be curious to see if they use Quay at, you know, as an additional pass rusher a lot to pro- pro- to provide pressure. Um, and he had a nice game last week. Yeah, I really do. I think it was best he, he game. Like, I really love the play where he, he diagnosed it quickly and, and hit the ball carrier in the backfield to, to uh, get the tackle for a loss. I also... Um, I think that maybe we'll see like the two high shell look to try to mm-hmm. um, limit, it, yeah, keep it in, keep a keep a, a lid on it as well, so that you don't get the really explosive plays downfield, and that but will, the thing is will they... leave the you know the the corners, slot corner, um, and the linebackers to try to clean up the short stuff. I do worry though because that does
0: leave the middle of the field open, which Tua does love to throw to. Oh. No. but anyway. Those are kind of – we got sidetracked a bit into the Dolphins' strengths again. There are still ways for the Packers to take advantage of this game. Let's talk about what we want to see from the Packers
1: in this game. You can go ahead first. Okay, so their their corners have not been good this year by PFF grade. So the down, the down year by Xavier Howard um, – compared to his usual years and then their other corner corners have not been so good. Their coverage grades have been generally poor across the league. So I I want to see extra targets to Dobbs and Watson this game. I mean they um Dobbs led the lead led the team in um targets last week, mm-hmm. but they're spread fairly evenly around, And they, and they didn't, didn't have that many throws actually on the game. I figure this game is going to have um you know more more offensive plays run, though the the Dolphins are not that fast-paced of a team, actually. Yeah, all that speed, they, and they don't—they're not that fast-paced. They, they take the time before the—they're about middle of the pack in uh, you know seconds per play, while the Packers are still near the bottom, um, but they're still managing to rack up points. Um, and on the so Miami is only middle of the pack in guarding um, wide receivers and really poor against tight ends and running backs, actually. So. Yeah. So the fact that our two best – two of our best passing weapons are running backs is kind of a plus for us in this scenario. Right. So I think we – maybe they'll – I think they have a couple of options, actually, to lean on – there's a route here to, for them to lean on Jones and Dillon for the pass work or also to get um, especially Watson in space to use his speed and you know, and then all three of those guys possibly breaking tackles against a poor tackling team. Um What do what do I things I want to see as well? I want to see Wyatt play more snaps. He keeps playing minimal snaps and getting decent grades. Just I I don't understand. This happens week week after week. We
0: say it every week. We don't understand. He goes in. He he plays
1: like nine snaps. He's like oh, he's well graded. He has got a you know a stop at the line. He got a half a sack. I think he's doing more, and they're still not giving him more time. And then. Um, on their offense, I want them to account for Wilkins and Jalen Phillips up front and, and Chubb if they, if they all play, if they all play. Yeah. How about you? I think for me, obviously
0: can't with a big exclamation mark at the end, can't state how important this is, why it needs to play. He needs to play. Please play your first rounders. He's 24 years old. He's not a developmental rookie. Like you drafted him. Because you have a need at that position. They're not playing well. The Them being, I would say, Dean Lowry. And, I mean, Jaron Reed had a pretty good game last week. But overall has been kind of meh all year. Kenny's been struggling to carry the load all by himself. He's had a down year by his standards. He had a good game last week, though. Play Wyatt. He's graded out well in every game he's been in. But he's only getting nine snaps a game. It's It doesn't make sense why he's not playing I know LaFleur said he's wants he wants to get him on the field more. I don't know why
1: that hasn't happened already. It just has to happen. I love these these uh this is like a, a classic Packers comment. It's like, "Yeah, I wish we could get him more playing time." Whose decision is that? I don't I don't know how I can not I can figure it. it's like, "Oh, I wish I'd throw that guy, um throw more passes to uh that particular player." We're all trying to find the guy who did this. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs>
0: Oh, man, I just I don't understand why they can't play him more. It just doesn't seem like like you're not even like you're not even just playing for like I've talked all this these past few weeks about how, yeah, you're mostly playing for next year. Like you got to play the young guys. This isn't even just that. This is playing a player who I think is better than the guys they're trotting out there right now. And some other stuff. Please press the receivers. If I see soft zone like I saw last week. Like I've seen several times this year. Like I saw several times last year. I am going to throw something through the TV. I am—I
1: yes. can't believe it. So please, Packers, since Tommy is home at our house right now, I don't want something going through the TV. For the love of their <laughs> TV,
0: please, please press the receivers. The blueprint is out. These other teams have shown you that this can work against their passing game. Please just try it. You have decent personnel to do it. I think if Rasul can be physical with that, these guys he can hang with them. But if he plays off, he's going to get blown by. Like it's it's very tough.
1: Yeah, he's got to get ha- he's got to get hands on in the bump, uh, you know, close to the line of scrimmage where he can try to slow them down and not let them get up to speed before they get to him.
0: Yeah, and then the last thing is, I think they do need to send additional pressure in this game. I won't say it every game, but if Tua has too much time, like we were saying, it's just not going to go well for the secondary. They can't stick with guy. No one can. It doesn't matter who you are. I don't care if you're the Legion of boom, you can't stick with guys this fast for five, six seconds back there. It's just not going to work. They will get open. They're too fast and too good. Not to. Those are my things that I want to see from the Packers. Let's start wrapping this up, dad. Who are some players you're watching in this game?
1: So what I'm watching, so we talk about consistent pressure and the Packers have, had this going for a while now. Well, they'll they'll get a few pressures a game, but there are too many snaps where the quarterback is just standing back there. So I actually am going to be looking at their backup edge rushers because they can't have just no impact for whatever 30, 40 snaps a game when they're playing. So we need more from Garvin and Hollins to maintain some pressure plays onto us so he doesn't have just all day back there. Um, And then the other players are going to be watching are Ford and Nixon in coverage. They have some of the speed that we have in our secondary besides Jair. And so they're going to need to actually um, pull their weight and maybe somebody else's weight too.
0: Yeah, and for me, I think we have similar thoughts. I just have different players. For me, it's Wyatt and Kenny. I think the edge rushers alone are not going to be enough in this game, given the lack of talent there since Gary went down I think we need I do think we need a big game from Preston I think this is the game where it's like hey like we're gonna need you to step up this one time and just be the guy I know you're usually a complimentary guy we need you to be the guy in this game and take over a little bit he did have two sacks last week and four hits he had a great game last week we need you to do it again big buddy because we we just need it badly but for Wyatt and Kenny I think and Reed I would say the pass rush needs to come from the interior as well because it's just not going to be enough to come just from the edges based on the players you have out there. Kenny, you're a star. We need you to play like a star in this game. Wyatt, you're a first-rounder. With the snaps you get, we need you to play like a first-rounder in this game because we need pressure on that man, and I don't think the edges alone are going to be enough to do it when we're trotting out mostly third and fourth and fifth-string guys getting like essentially elevated a level. Then my other two are Amos and Ford. I think the safeties are going to be huge in this game. You can't afford to be giving up big fifty yard touchdowns over the top to these guys. I think they've struggled with that at times this year. I think since they moved forward back there and took Savage out of that rotation, it's been better. But they need they need those guys to have good games. I think they're gonna need to force some turnovers in this game and win the win the turnover battle. Ah, oh, man, it's gonna be a tough game. It's gonna be a tough,
1: tough game. Yep, but I think they got a chance. I don't think the the Dolphins are unbeatable. They they've, in fact they've lost three in a row. So let's just let's, keep, make it four. let's just heap some more, you know, discomfort and misery on their on their heads for for now. Vegas only has them as a
0: 4-point favorite. That's yep. the biggest thing. And if I could just say one more player to watch in this game, Christian Wilkins for the Dolphins has had a really nice season so far, one of their D-tackles. If They can keep him from wrecking their interior. If they can win that battle along the interior, if Elton and Myers and Runyon can win that battle and they can run it up the middle, that would just be so huge for their offense if they can get that running game going and not let him kill them.
1: Yeah, I would love to see some more eight-minute drives, which that would have been a scoring drive if it wasn't ending the game in the last game. So if they could get like some eight, nine-minute scoring drives, that would be excellent. All right, Dad, let's uh, wrap this thing up. Score predictions, what you got? So I'm, I'm still going. You know, team, you still got a chance. So Green Bay 31 and uh, Miami 28. Solid, solid. I am a little
0: less optimistic in this game. The fact is in Miami really hurts. I do think the Packers have a chance in this game, but I'm ultimately going to go Miami 35, Green Bay 28. That's all touchdowns, no field goals. All gas, no breaks. All gas, no breaks for both teams. I think that they're going to be up like 14 in the fourth. We're going to mount a mini comeback, get it down to seven, but we're just not quite going to be able to get it there. And then the season will officially, unofficially, probably still have like a small percent, but officially, unofficially go out on that note. And then we'll start really, really planning for next year. Anyway, thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the Father Son Packers podcast. Like we said earlier. If you liked what you heard, we do a pregame and a postgame every week. We'll be doing a postgame the day after Christmas, talking about the results of this game, hopefully after a win. And if you like what you heard, come give us a follow on Twitter, at FatherSonPacker. We tweet out when we have new episodes, articles we find interesting, Packers news and notes, including extension talks, offseason news. We'll also be doing one podcast a week in the offseason, talking about the draft and what's coming up for the Packers on contract decisions and everything like that. You can find our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. You can come follow, subscribe to us on YouTube. We would really appreciate it. It would really help our numbers. We post all of our episodes there as well. And anyways, we hope you have a happy
1: holidays and Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.